This dynamic message is brought to you by Redemption in Jesus with Marco Bravo. Here is the title of our message this morning. It is never without hope. And isn't that the truth? We are never without hope. So if for any reason at any time you feel like you have no hope, you feel like you've lost hope, this message is for you. As you go through this year, we're going to face some things. And I'm not speaking doom and gloom, but this is a fallen world. And we know that it's filled with people that are imperfect. And so situations come and go. Things happen. I mean, just look at this past year. Look at how many people that of fame in, in both the Christian world and the secular world have died. Look at all the things that have happened this year, how the world has changed the, our nation even. Amen. And so we know that the new year will bring its whole new uh, you know, dimensions and it will bring its whole new dynamics into it and it will affect our lives. But I want to tell you that whenever we face adversity, whenever we face challenges, and even in good times, I want you to know and I want to remind you that you are never without hope. We are never without hope. Amen. And that's not just Christianese. That's not just pie in the sky and, you know, name it and claim it. No, it's, it's gospel truth. It's gospel fact. We are never without hope. Amen. Why don't you look at your neighbor and just say to them, you are never without hope. If they didn't believe you, look the other way and try the other neighbor and just say, you are never without hope. And if there's no neighbor, then just look at yourself in the mirror, whatever reflection. And just if you're holding your device with your, with your app, uh, Bible app, just you can see your reflection there. Look at yourself and just say, you are never without hope. Amen. Because you're not. You are never without hope. Now, while we're talking about that and while we're saying that phrase, what does it mean to never be without hope. Well, here are some things and how I define it and how I see it. And I believe that it's going to bless you. It's not going to come up on the screen, but I just want to say them to you. This is what it means to never be without hope. We always have the expectation and anticipation of a positive and favorable outcome. Isn't that true? So no matter what you face, no matter what's going on, you always see something good is going to come out here. I expect something good to happen here. I anticipate God's blessing and favor to manifest in my life. Amen. So whatever situation you find yourself in, specifically negative situations, adverse circumstances, things that you don't really want in your life, especially right there and then, expect and anticipate good out of it. Amen. That's what it means to be with hope. So if for any reason you've given up and you know, you say, oh, well, all of this just happens. It happens every year and this year is probably going to be the worst year. So I'm just going to yield to it. Well, that's not someone who lives in hope. Amen. And we don't want that because God has given us reason to live in hope, to never be without hope. Amen. What does it mean to never be without hope? It means that we always have an optimistic mindset. It means that we always have an optimistic attitude about life. In other words, like people say, we look at the glass half full instead of 
half empty. Amen. Personally, I like to look at my glass overflowing. My cup runneth over. Amen. And that's how we need to see it. You see, that's what it means to live with hope, to never be without hope. In other words, no matter what you face, you always look at what good is going to come out out of it. You're not a doom and gloom, <laughs> self-proclaiming prophet. Amen. You know, you declare all these negative things and how bad everything's going. And then when it happens, you think you prophesied it, but really you just spoke it into being because that's what you believe. Amen. We want to be people of hope because God has designed us to be a people of hope. Praise God. So what else does it mean to never be without hope? It means that we always trust and rely on God to work all things out for our good. Isn't that so? Of course, especially in times of hardship and adversity. So when we face hard times, we, we believe and we say, I know that God is going to work all things out for my good, for my family's good. I just know it. It may not be my timing, but I just know that God is going to do it, that He has already done it. Amen. Because He doesn't live in time. He lives outside of time. He created time for us. So He knows the whole picture already. Amen. And so because of that, we believe that God works all things. That's what it means to live in hope. So what else does it mean to never be without hope? It means that we always trust God with our lives. Amen. Even when we fell short, even when we mess up, even when we think we haven't lived up to some kind of standard that God expects us to live up to. Whenever God loves us outside of our merits and performance. Amen. That's why we live by grace. We cannot earn it. We don't deserve it. But He gives it to us anyway because He loves us. Amen. So to never be without hope means to always trust God with our lives. So no matter where we are, up or down, plateau, we trust God with our lives. That's what it means to never be without hope. Amen. And I've just given you but a dim picture of that, but it gives us an idea as far as what that means. Amen. And you know, when you look at the Bible, people in the Bible throughout, we see often stories and accounts where people went through hard times. People face hardship. But one thing you see about the people of God, those who believed God, those who trusted in God, those who knew God, those who believed in God, they always, always lived in hope. They were never without hope. And when God noticed that they were going the direction of losing hope, when He noticed that they would end up possibly being without hope, guess what He did? He intervened to give them hope. He gave them a major shot, a major boost of hope just to lift them up because that's where He wants His people. Amen. And that's what I believe He'll do for you in 2024. Whenever we corporately or individually, we face something, you can be sure that you will never be without hope. Amen. You see, God never wants us to be without hope. Amen. Praise God. And so let me show you that. I mean, one portion that clearly shows us, it may not spell it out, but it clearly tells us that God never wants us to be without hope. Hebrews chapter 13, the second part of verse 5. And we're reading from the Amplified Translation. Watch what it says. For He has said, talking about God, the Lord, I will never, 
Notice, never, under any circumstances, see that? Desert you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support, nor will I in any degree leave you helpless. Notice, in any degree. Nor will I forsake or let you down or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. Isn't that a beautiful portion of scripture? Doesn't that enthuse hope into your heart, into your soul, into your life? The fact that the Lord Jesus, that God himself says, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I'm going to, in no degree am I going to leave you helpless. And as surely not, I will never let go. He is so committed to us that we can always live in hope. We can always live with hope. We, can, we don't have to live without hope. Amen. That's what he says in essence. And you know, when I was reading this, when I was putting this together as I was preparing this week, I thought, man, you know, it's true. God has done everything necessary, not only to save us, but also to maintain us, to keep us and for eternity to have us and then to be with us in this lifetime. Even though our ancestor Adam made a bad choice for us and we all experience the consequence of that, God's still there to give us hope. Amen. And you know, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, well, thinking about the people in my life who have been there for me through thick and thin, who have been there for me no matter what. And I mean, I can think of a number of people in my life, starting with my dear mother. I mean, I know she's no longer with us, but all the time that she was with us until just over a year ago, she was there for me, no matter what, through thick and thin. She would self-sacrifice for me, and she would continue to do that. As a child, I remember, I mean, I didn't realize it then, but looking back now as a grown-up, having my own family, I see how she would even sacrifice herself and sustaining herself to give me something to eat. And I thought, man, I'm telling you, that lady, I salute her to the max. And then, of course, there's my wife, and there's my daughter and there's my sisters and how we've been there for each other. And then, of course, you, church family, how you've been there for us. And I mean, the circle just begins to expand. And I think to myself, wow, if people can do that and be there for someone, imagine how God does it for us. And the proof is Jesus and the finished work of the cross. Amen. So this is why he can say, I never want you to be without hope. Now, what we're going to do, and it's what I want to share with you today, uh, we're going to read from Isaiah 43, chapter 43. But before we do that, I want to give you the background so that to put you in the picture so that you understand the greater context of why God said what He said. And then we're going to draw out some powerful things there that are prophetic for us as well. That was for them and it still is for us as well. And so that's what we're going to do. So let me give you the background before we read it, okay? So what you will see in Isaiah 43, what was happening there, is, is that God is speaking to the children of Israel through the prophet Isaiah. And he's speaking to them in a time when they were facing Babylonian captivity. So they were, remember, they were taken by the Babylonians, taken out of the land that he promised them, taken out of their kingdom, and they were just gone to, you know, they were used as slaves and different things like most kingdoms did and when they conquered another. 
And so they were facing Babylonian captivity. So they were needing hope. And I believe that many of them were living in hope. But I think God just saw the hope gauge way down. And he thought, I need to do something about this. And that's what's going on here. And so this is what happens. So remember, I'm putting you in the picture here so you can understand what we're going to look at. To enthuse hope in them and to speak these declarations over them. What God does is he makes a reference or he makes reference to the Egyptian captivity that their ancestors were under. Because they were familiar with that. They knew it. It was in the scriptures. They read it. They were taught about it. And so they knew that our ancestors once were captive by the Egyptians. And God set them free. So he uses that account to bring hope to them in the midst of their captivity under the Babylonians. And so that's something else we see. And so through the prophet Isaiah, what God does essentially through this portion is, is that he reminds them that they are never without hope. And you know, here's the beautiful thing. He also uses that because he's also prophetically speaking about us and redemption in Jesus. And so prophetically, he also tells us and gives us hope. And you'll see that in a moment. And so <clears throat> he tells them basically how things are going to change for them in a mighty and a powerful way. And remember, I said to you, this is also prophetic for us New Covenant believers. Not only how we're going to enter into redemption in Jesus and live by the grace of God, but how He's going to come through for us throughout our life here on earth, and then we'll enjoy it beyond this life. Amen? So I want you to look out for that. Okay, so that's a, a brief summary of the background of what's going on here. There's a lot more than that, but that's, I think, what we need to know in order to understand what's going on here, who God's speaking to, why He's speaking to them, and what His motive is in speaking to them. So He's speaking to the children of Israel who are in Babylonian captivity. Why does He speak to them? Because He wants to encourage them and give them hope and remind them that they are never without hope. And then to let them know it's coming, it's about to happen. And it did happen. Of course, they were delivered eventually from that captivity, right? And so we're going to read Isaiah 43, verses 15 to 19. Please pay attention to the declarations or the statements God makes to them. Because this is all applicable, not just to them, but to also to us, okay? So pay attention and look out for the declarations God makes. Because in essence, this portion is just a bunch of declarations to bring hope, to remind them that they are never without hope, but also to give them a picture of what God is going to do and how He does things. And I'm going to show you and we're going to personalize it for each of us so you can see what God is saying to you in this for 2024 and beyond. Amen. So let's read it. Isaiah 43, verse 15 to 19. He says, watch how he starts. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel. In other words, your Creator, the Creator of your nation, your King, he says. Then in verse 16, he says, Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters. See, he's making a reference to the Egyptian captivity that their ancestors went through. Remember that? They crossed the sea. He opened up the sea and, dry, and they walked through a dry and dry land. That's what he's talking about. Who brings forth 
the chariot and horse, the army and the power. They shall lie down together. They shall not rise. They are extinguished. They are quenched like a wick. In other words, like, you know, a burning candle. And so he's talking about the Egyptian army who chased after them to try and bring them back under bondage. And he says, I literally wiped them out. I took care of them. I took care of your enemy and gave you victory. That's what he's saying. See, then he says in verse 8, do not remember the former things. Oh, okay. He just mentioned the former things and now he says, don't remember them. He says, no, consider the things of old. It kind of almost sounds like an oxymoron. He just went in to remind them about the wonderful, powerful things God did for their ancestors when they were under bondage. And he says, now, he says, don't remember that. Don't consider that. <laughs> and I'll explain that in a moment. Then he says in verse 19, watch this. Behold, I will do a new thing. In other words, comparing to what you know, what I'm about to do for you. You're going to behold, you're going to be amazed at what I'm going to do because it's going to be something new, he says. Not now it shall spring forth. In other words, it's about to happen. Shall you not know it? In other words, you will know it when it happens as it happens. Then he says, I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. In other words, your ancestors saw the sea split open and they walked on dry land. You're going to face dry land, but I'm going to make a road to my will and destiny for you. And rivers are going to flow, bringing my provision to you. He gives them a little clue as far as what he's going to do. It's pretty powerful, wouldn't you agree? Remember, I asked you and I said, pay attention to the declarations God makes. Because in simplest of forms, God is actually speaking our modern lingo and He's actually telling us a few, five actual statements to remind us to never be without hope, to enthuse hope in us and to keep us going. All right. And so we're going to look at those in detail now as we extract portions and I'll show you what I mean by that. And so remember, He said this to them when they were facing Babylonian captivity right? They were facing severe adversity. This was not the ideal situation for them. And yet God brings in these powerful declarations, these powerful statements of hope to remind them too that they, can, they don't ever have to be without hope. He brings hope to them. And that's what He's doing for us. 2024, I believe, is a year of hope. It's a year where God is going to enthuse more hope in us and we're going to see the wonderful things that He's going to do for us individually, as families, as a community, as a church, and as a nation. I declare that and believe it in Jesus' name. Amen. And so that's what He's saying. So He basically gives them a message of hope and encouragement to remind them that they are never without hope. I mean, if you were one of them and you heard God say all this, wouldn't you think that? I mean, God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah and he's basically telling us, I see where you are. I see what's going on, but I've got you. Watch what happens and I'm going to do it. And it's not going to be like you're familiar with. This is going to be even more awesome. And when I do it, you'll see it'll be so supernatural. You'll know that it's me, right? I mean, that's powerful. Imagine if God spoke to you like that through a prophet. Well, guess what? That's what he's doing today. And I'm not saying I'm a prophet, but I know that I've flown the prophetic gift too. And what I'm saying to you is, is God is saying the same thing to you today. Amen. So prophetically, He is reminding you and I as well to never be without hope. 
especially for those of us who are in Jesus. And we all are. Amen. We have a greater hope. We have the hope of hopes if there's such a thing. Amen. Remember, I asked you to pay close attention to the declarations that God made. Right? So let's go and take a closer look now. And I'm going to show you those five specific. There's more. But we're just going to look at five today. Because you'll see how awesome they are. So the first declaration that we see is in Isaiah 43, 15. As we began to read that portion. Here it comes now. Watch this. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. So God begins by basically stating and saying, I am God, I am your Holy One, I am your King, so it's personal for me, and I am your Creator, but also the Creator of all. So He is basically stating, <laughs> in our own words, He's basically saying, because of who I am to you, I've got you. Isn't that what he's saying? Absolutely. That's basically what he's saying. Because of who I am, God, creator, holy, your God, God of all, he says, I've got you. Isn't that a way of saying that? I mean, in essence, what he's saying is, trust me, believe in me because of who I am. I mean, I think about... My, you know, like I said before with, with my mom, when I was a child, I remember there were times when I was bullied at school. There were times when I wasn't sure how to do my homework and what to do. And she would step in and she would say, don't worry, uh, I've got you. I mean, she had little cute little names for me and I don't want to say them because I don't want people to tease me with them afterwards. But she would use those cute little names and say, don't worry. And she would say what it is. I've got you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to get through this. And you know, it gave me such great confidence. To know that someone who is greater than me, who I always seen as someone, you know, mighty and greater than me, was there for me and said, I've got you. Amen. Amen. I mean, that's what parents do. That's what loved ones do. Eh? They say, I've got you. And that's what God is saying to them. By saying all that, he's saying, I've got you. So that's the first declaration that he makes. And he has the second declaration we see in verse 16 and 17. Watch us. He says, that says the Lord who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty water. So he's making reference to the Egyptian deliverance. Who brings forth the chariot and the horse, the army and the power. They shall lie down together. They shall not rise. They are extinguished. They are quenched like a wick. In other words, what God is saying with that statement is, I am the one who defeated your enemies in a mighty and powerful way before. Isn't that so? He's reminding them of what he's done. Isn't that so? So it would be, you know, like my mom sitting down and saying, I've already done those math equations. I've already done that homework. So we've already done it together, right? Doesn't that give you confidence to know that they have experience, that they've done this before? And that's what God is saying. So in other words, his second declaration to them is this. I've done it. For you before. Isn't that so? So not only does he say, I've got you. Now he says, I've done it for you before. Right? Doesn't that just bring hope? <laughs> of course it does. Now he has the third declaration. Isaiah 43, 18, as we continue reading. Watch this. He says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Like I said to you, this sounds like a little bit of an oxymoron. It sounds like God is contradicting himself. But 
And I love the way the New Living translates it from the original. It's actually more accurate and more powerful, but it helps us understand it. Watch this now from the New Living Bible, the same verse. He says, but forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. That's exactly what the original says. So God isn't saying, forget it all. Don't take it into account. He brought it up for a reason. And the reason why he brought it up is because what he's saying is, what I'm going to do is going to be far superior than what I did for your ancestors. In other words, it's going to be even more powerful. I don't just keep the same level. I always go up in levels is what he's saying. And so I did that for them. And that was pretty mighty and powerful. I opened up the sea. They walked through dark ground. And then when the enemies came, they drowned because I closed the sea. Right? And he says, forget about all that. He says, it's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. Can you see how prophetically it's talking about Jesus? Because think about it. If you have the choice of God opening up the sea for you and you cross on dry land to another land where you, you, you know, he's going to provide for you, or he gives you the choice of being redeemed in Jesus for eternity and relate to him by grace, which would you choose? Jesus, of course. Amen. So it can't be compared to the other one. Praise God. And so that's in essence what he's saying. So his third declaration to them basically is compared to what I'm about to do, what I have done before will seem like nothing. Isn't that what he says? In other words, what he's saying is, so look forward to what I'm going to do. Don't necessarily look backwards. Don't expect the same because I always upgrade. I always do more. Can you see how God is speaking to you and I today? He says, so look forward to it. Be excited about it is what he's trying, trying to say to them. So here is his declaration in that. He's saying, and I will do it again. Isn't that so? Isn't that the statement that he's making in that? So not only does he say, I've got you. Not only does he say, I've done it for you before. Now he says, I'm going to do it again. And it's going to be even more awesome. Right? So that's his third declaration. Here comes his fourth declaration in the first part of verse 19 as we continue. He says, behold. What does it mean to behold? It means to pay close attention. It means to watch carefully. Right? He says, behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. So shall you not know it. The Amplified puts that last phrase, will you not be aware of it? In other words, will you not see it happening? So he's saying it's going to happen for sure. Now, when we look at that portion, first he says, behold. In other words, don't just listen and go and move on. I mean, when you behold, you behold, right? I remember when, like I said to you, I was praying for a wife. I didn't know Helena yet. One morning early in college, we're waiting for the bell to ring so we can go to class. And just as it rings, I see this beautiful girl walking in, you know, coming in to go into class. And man, I couldn't help myself. God, the Holy Spirit said to me, turn. And I turned and I saw her. And then he said to me, there's your wife. But I beheld. I was doing behold. <laughs> you know, I didn't just look, oh, okay, cool. No, I beheld and I looked until I couldn't see her anymore as she walked. And so, I mean, that's a slight dim picture of what God is saying here. He's saying behold. In other words, look carefully, pay close attention, watch what I'm about to do. It's a new thing. It's happening now already. And will you not know it when it happens? Amen. And so he says it's a new thing. In other words, you will know it's me because it's nothing. Because, or should I say, because nothing and no one can do what I'm about to do. This is new, right? Isn't that what he's saying? 
So he's basically saying is expect it, believe it, right? In other words, the other thing too that he's saying is the best and the better is ahead of you because it's a new thing. It's best and better. Amen. So in essence, in that portion, God's fourth declaration is this. So expect me to do it. Isn't that what he's saying in that? That's what he's saying. So what does he say? First, he says, I've got you. Secondly, he says, I've done it for you before. Now, then he says, and I will do it again. And now he says, so expect me to do it. Isn't that in essence what he's saying? Sure. Now, let's carry on with the second part of verse 19 for the fifth declaration that he makes. I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. See, it's not going to be like I did before. Here you're going to be in the wilderness where no one expects to see a road and I will make a road for you. And then on top of that, you will see rivers in the desert. In other words, where no one expects provision, provision will come and it will always be there for you. Amen. That's what he's saying. So another way, in other words, another way you can put what he just said there is this way. Nothing will hinder the path of my destiny and purpose for you. Isn't that so? Because whether you're in the wilderness or in the desert, there's going to be provision. There's going to be a way. In other words, nothing will hinder the path of my destiny and purpose for you. Can you see how all of this is God speaking to you for the new year and time to come? Amen. Nothing will hinder my path of destiny and purpose for you. In other words, what he's saying is, I will make a way where there seems to be no way. He's the way maker. Amen. That's what he's saying. So here is God's fifth declaration that he makes there in essence. Even the seemingly impossible I will do for you. Isn't that so? I mean, when's the last time someone made a path appear in the wilderness? When is the last time that in the desert, all of a sudden you saw a river flowing in the desert? So it's really in the natural impossible. But God says, even the seemingly impossible, I will do for you. Amen. So can you see how those five declarations, those five things that God says, this is basically what he's saying to a people who were not in the ideal of circumstances when they faced something that wasn't <laughs> exactly ideal or God, what looked like God's will, what he does to remind them that they are never without hope, to remind them that he is there for them and he's, going, he's doing something for them, he makes those five declarations. What are those five declarations? I've got you. I've done it for you before and I will do it again. So expect me to do it, even the seemingly impossible. And that is what God is saying to you today. Amen. Do you receive that word today? It's powerful declarations. Wouldn't you agree? Of course they are. And remember, God does not discriminate. It says he's not a respecter of persons. In other words, he doesn't discriminate. So what he did for them, he will do for you. And how has he done it for us already? In Jesus. Amen. We have the victory in Jesus. We don't have to fight and battle for victories. We already have the victory in Jesus. All we need to do is enforce our victory by believing and receiving by faith. Amen. It's given to us by grace. Praise God. Amen. So, whatever comes your way in 2024, this is what God is saying to you. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? 
whatever you face in 2024, good or bad, whatever you face in 2024, this is what God is saying to you through this word today. Number one, I've got you. Number two, I've done it for you before. Number three, I will do it again. Amen. Number four, expect me to do it. And number five, even the seemingly impossible, I will do for you. Amen. Amen. That is what God is saying to us. Do you receive that today? I certainly receive it today. Amen. Do you believe God's word for you today? Well, then so be it in Jesus' name. There it is. It's just been released into your life. Amen. Praise God. You see, because of Jesus and the finished work of the cross, you are never without hope. Amen. Isn't that what that reminds you of too? Those five declarations. God is saying you are never without hope. Now, think about the conditions just to kind of go back a little bit more and rehash that to help us see and realize that. Think about the conditions that the children of Israel found themselves in when they reached the Red Sea. The reference that he made to and he said, what I'm going to do is going to be even greater. But let's just go back to that situation for a moment. Think about this. And I'm going to try and paint this picture as accurate as I can. Now, I do have some slides that I found that we can use. We give them credit. You'll see the information on the slides. But think about this. Behind them, I'm talking about now the Egyptian bondage, when God delivered them out of Egypt. Not the people that He just spoke to who were under Babylonian captivity and just told them what He's going to do for them, those five things. But I'm talking about their ancestors. When they came to the Red Sea and they had nowhere to go, they were basically stuck. Here's why they were stuck. And God did the supernatural miracle of opening the sea and letting them walk through on dry ground. Now, the distance that they walked, that they went through, was approximately 11 miles. 10 and a half, 11 miles. That's a long way, wouldn't you agree? I mean, it literally drowned the whole Egyptian army. That's how big it was. But think about this. Before all that happened, as they were standing by the Red Sea and they had nowhere to go, and they thought, we're done. What has God done to us? Little did they realize that He was there with them. Amen. And of course, they saw that as it happened. But behind them was a mountainous region, too difficult to cross. It was basically a natural jail, if you will. They got stuck in an area where they couldn't get out of. Then, on the one side, Pharaoh's armies were chasing after them with, no, with the only available exit. So the way they came is the way Pharaoh and his armies were coming. And that was the only way out. They couldn't go because they were there. They were coming after them. Behind them was this mountainous region too difficult to cross. So they were trapped. Then on the other side was also a mountainous region that basically encircled the land right up to the sea. So there was no way out. They were trapped. They were naturally trapped. And so what happened is that they were closed in. Now, in front of them was the Red Sea, too vast to swim or cross over. And if you look at the specifics of the topology, the land, you will see that because of the uh, sea level, the horizon was affected by it to the point where if you were standing by the Red Sea where they were standing and you looked, you couldn't see land on the other side. The sea level of the land where it was 
and the horizon the way that it, it, it is the, there in the land in the Middle East, they couldn't see land on the other side. There was an island to the right, but even that they couldn't see, even though it wasn't that far. So to them, when they looked, they thought, behind us mountains, on this side, high mountains, we've already tried going past, and you'll see, I'll show you that in a moment. They couldn't get past. On this side, Pharaoh and his armies are coming. It's the only way out. Ahead of us is the sea. <laughs> there's no land. There's nothing. So we can try and swim and cross, but we're probably all going to die and drown. Can you imagine how hopeless it may have seemed? And yet God made a way. And he says, I'm using that situation to show you, you believer, how I'm going to set you free. And you'll know it because it's new. It's something awesome. It's even better than that, right? Praise God. I mean, it's pretty powerful. So what I'm going to do is let me show you two slides to try and show you what I mean here. It's got a lot of information on it, but just ignore it. I just pay attention to what is relevant to the message today. So here's the first one. Okay, so there's looking at the land from the top. So you could say from a satellite, okay? And you'll see that right there, you see at the bottom in the middle, it says Red Sea Camp. Well, that's where they were. Now that green line that you see, was the, the route that they followed, the route that they followed as they were trying to follow <laughs> basically their destiny to the promised land. So they came from Goshen. You'll see that to the left, top left. The green line, they came along the beach. They tried to go around the mountains on the right and they realized, uh-uh. And you can see behind them, it's all just mountains and just wild mountainous land, which is basically... A natural gel if you will and then in front of them at the bottom you'll see it's just the sea so really they were trapped there was no way for them to go this is why for example you read in Exodus 14 13 where the Pharaoh himself said they've shut themselves in in the natural land <laughs> so we've got them in the ideal place is what he was saying little did he know what God would do for them let's go back to that one and so you'll see that that's basically where they were. Now you'll see the credit there to uh, Stephen Rudd of uh, Bible.ca. Uh, that's who made this. And so there's one. Now let me show you the next slide, which is going to give us a little bit more of a clearer picture because it's, it's, we're going to pan out and see a little bit more of what's going on. So here it comes. Watch us now. So you see there's the same route as you see on the left. You see the green where they went. They tried to go to the mountains and then for... Uh, 10 miles, I had to go back again or so. And so there they were stuck at the Red Sea camp. Now you can see the mountains. There was nowhere to go. They were trapped. Pharaoh and his armies were coming on the left, the only way out. So there was no way out. And that was it. Now you'll see where it says there in the middle, Straits of Tehran. Okay. You'll see that the green line crosses over the sea to the other side. Well, that was where God opened the sea and they walked through. And that distance was about 11 miles or so. And so that's what happened there. And that's what God did for them. And you know, that area, that mountainous area was called Etham, which basically means wall, because it's a natural mountain wall that no one can go through. And so that's what happened over there. Now, <laughs> thinking about this, without distracting from the message today, this is where they were at. And God says to the people now, uh, in, in the account that we read, that were under Babylonian captivity. He says, forget about that. That was nothing compared to what I'm about to do, but also prophetically speaking to us in Jesus. And isn't that true? We were without hope. We were on our way to hell, eternal damnation. And we found, we felt like there's no way. 
We are lost. We are done. And God provides Jesus for us. God provides the finished work of the cross for us. And He provides salvation and redemption. And we can too cross into our wonderful destiny and purpose that God has for us. Amen. But more than that, going back to the declarations that God made, remember, <laughs> he's saying to, He said to them and He's saying to us today, using that account to show us, no matter how difficult, no matter how dire things may seem, remember what He says, I've got you. I've done it for you before, so I'm going to do it again. And so expect me to do it. And I will do even the impossible for you. Isn't that powerful? I mean, in essence, that's the message, the summary of that portion of Scripture. And that's what He's saying to us today. Amen. This is why you are never without hope. And God's people said, Amen. 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 Praise God. All right. Let's end off with this portion here. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. In relation to what we heard today, what I shared with you today. Proverbs 3 verse 5 and 6 from the Amplified. We're familiar with this one, but watch how the Amplified puts it. Trust in and rely confidently on the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, know and acknowledge and recognize Him and He will make your path straight and smooth removing obstacles that block your way. Isn't that powerful? I mean, in essence, isn't that the same declarations that we've just read in Isaiah? Isn't that what God is saying? Isn't He saying, I've got you. I've done it for you before, so I'm going to do it again. So expect me to do it, and I'll do even the impossible if need so. But I will do what is necessary to get you to where I want you. Amen. And that's His word for 2024. Do you receive it today? Amen. So be it in Jesus' name. Amen. We receive it as a church in Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. We trust that you are blessed by this message. For more information about our ministry or to make a donation to help us continue spreading the gospel, please visit our website at redemptioninjesus.com